Any questions tonight? Hello, hello. Testing. Hare Krishna. Yes? Um, I heard you say that Sridhar Maharaj said in relation to serving Krishna, um, indirect is direct, in the sense that serving the servant, the servant, the servant, is more direct. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was wondering how direct it is if somewhere along that service line um, someone isn't exactly a pure servant or yeah, isn't firm in their faith, how direct is it? Mm-hmm. Yes, actually, Pujapat Sridhar once said to me personally, um, we were sitting alone, and he said, Vaishnavism is indirect. First there is Krishna, then there is the Vaishnav, then there's the Vaishnav Das, then there's the Das of the Vaishnav Das, 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 Anandas, and then there's us, he said, in the fifth position. <clears throat> it's also um, worth pointing out that uh, in, in, in Srimad Bhagavat, Krishna mentions that indirect language, parokshavad, that he, he likes that very much. Hmm. Subtle. Um, such That's the nature, of course, of the kavya, and that's a good part of the um, flavor, if you will, or the genre of the Bhagavatam, Nigamakoro, Tarorgali, Kalitam, Palam, Sukumakadam, the Rabasambitam. It has all three voices, the voices of the the king, the voice of the friend, and the voice of the lover. But the voice of the lover, of course, is, is prominent. <clears throat> and um, as you know, love has its kind of own language that only those within its fold can understand. Names we might attribute to one another in love are uh, not understood if voiced in the public. Just to give you a crude example. So indirect, um, yes, and of course the, when Sridharmarsh told me that, he said, so um, after the passing of your Guru Maharaj, then you have three choices. He said, first choice is you can, one choice, I should say, is to um, find him within your heart internally and then be capable thereby of representing him externally. Second position is to serve someone who can do that. And the third position is to get out of the way so that it can go on. <laughs> Some people can't even get out of the way, unfortunately. But um, <clears throat> those statements uh, of his about indirect service and this, as I just mentioned, came together just to uh, focusing on that for the moment. <clears throat> um, but your question is, uh, is if the position, our position is enhanced 
by service, hmm? das, das, anu das, and beyond that, then uh, well and good. <clears throat> but what if someone in the line of the, which we're serving is not um, a transparent media, I guess you would say, to use Prabhupada's terminology. <clears throat> and... Um, I uh, I don't think that that should be a cause for our concern unless it becomes apparent to us, at which time some adjustment in our approach can be made. Hmm? And what I mean by that is that by making such endeavor, there's there's no loss. And if, in the context of making the endeavor, that, among other things, is revealed, then you're better off, right? You know that, and you may um, alter your course to some extent. Um, it's true that sometimes the, the paramparas describe like a chain, right? So every link in the chain has to be there. So arguments like this are often made for the unbroken uh, chain, if you will, of disciplic succession, a term that Prabhupada himself used often. <clears throat> but in the Gita also, Krishna says that so there should be any such discrepancy wherein the, the teaching is, has become covered, hmm, that he makes up for it. So uh, the bigger, I want to say, um, minus... In the equation, it is is on the part of uh, ourselves in terms of our necessity. So, Bhaktisiddhanta Sarasthitaka, for example, once said that that when he was asked about how you could publish a, a magazine about Krishna every day, he said, "Well, there's no shortage of information from that side." But the, the, we could punch, publish one every minute, but there's not enough customers. So the lacking is on, on this side. If that is not the case with us, then we have nothing to worry about whatsoever. Do you understand? This is Krishna's statement in the Gita. It was rendered beautifully in, in a kind of pa- poetic paraphrase by Pujapad Sridharmarsh. Sincerity is, is invincible. This is in the sixth chapter of the Gita. Um, Arjun is wondering about how he will fare if he should forego the Dharma of Varnashram, which is what Krishna is calling on him to do, and to take up yoga, which as the sixth chapter proceeds, and this is coming near the end, we find out culminates in bhakti. Hmm? So, Arjuna is is uh, concerned. I may be culpable for memorial lapse if I forego the many rules of the Varnashram, and at the same time, yoga is not that easy. It's like you have to control the mind. That's the central part of that. And uh, he said, I likened it to the wind, which is difficult to capture. Which Krishna didn't disagree with. He said, yeah, it is difficult, <laughs> but it's possible. He said by practice. 
and attachment. So in the context of this type of inquiry, um, Krishna reaches out to Arjuna and speaks very affectionately to him and says, you shouldn't, you shouldn't think that there will be any shortcoming if you make an effort in this. And he's more or less reiterating at the end here of his yoga discourse, hmm, this is the end of his yoga discourse, before he goes into the theology of the Gita and Bhakti and uh, full-on and so forth. He's saying, reiterating what he said at the very beginning of his yoga discourse in the middle of the second chapter. After some gyan, uh, sankhya in this context, it's interesting that, of course, traditionally speaking, classically speaking, the sankhya philosophy is more or less complemented by the yoga philosophy. Yoga philosophy is almost not as much of a uh, yoga sutras of philosophy as it is a way, a method. Hmm? So, it, of course, as much as it is a um, philosophy, its ideals very much course, very much to a large extent, correspond with the, the Sankhya idea. There's the Purusha and then there's the Prakriti. And the sutras do give room for an Ishwar that's not found in the classical Sankhya philosophy. But they're so close that it's often thought that the yoga is is the system, the method, the practice for realizing the ideal of the Sankhya, which is to separate the Purusha from the Prakriti. Of course, it's a very impoverished sense of self that we find in Yoga Sutras and in Sankhya compared to the the sense of self found in um, in. Uh, in bhakti, and in, 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 uh, Chaitanya bhakti in particular. Um, but uh, uh, they come in the Gita, these two terms, Sankhya and Yoga. Sankhya is such, uh, Yoga is so much a method hmm, that every different spiritual tradition in India has drawn from it, and they've got this Yoga and that Yoga, and there's the Karma Yoga, there's the Jnana Yoga, there's... Uh, uh, Bhakti yoga and so on and so forth, hmm? Ashtanga yoga. So it's it's very supple. It's interesting because there's a <laughs> there are a very very so far left it becomes bizarre uh, concerns about um, uh, politically speaking or socially speaking about uh, um, what's the term uh, cultural appropriation. Hmm? It's like God. I'm so ashamed of myself. I'm I'm appropriating that which belongs to another tradition and not giving it its due. Hmm? Yoga is Indian. I am a Western white person. I feel so bad. How could I do that? Uh, it's very rather uh, neurotic, extreme, if you will. Uh, do you follow me? <laughs> oh well. Uh, yeah, yeah. To read up on it a little bit, <laughs> uh, it's uh, you know there, there's this uh, left leaning. It's not a bad thing, uh, you know, politically speaking or socially speaking. Um, sensibility amongst white people that they're privileged, and they're they're trying to make up for it and and go out of their way, you know, to uh, uh, and so cultural appropriation is is where you, you, you take something that belongs to another culture, you take it and do your own thing with it, and you really, in a, in the context of doing it, you kind of defile what it actually is, and and so forth. But uh, it's 
pretty hard to be um, really guilty of uh, cultural appropriation with regard to yoga when it, it's very supple and lends itself to all types of uh, spiritual ideals in terms of a method for really them, realizing them. Like Thomas Merton, for example, who was a famous Catholic Jesuit priest and went to India to talk to the Hindus and the Buddhists. Buddhists are also doing yoga, right? Buddhist yoga, uh, to get some kind of method, some kind of sadhana to incorporate into the Catholic uh, you know, pursuit of the beatific vision. Hmm? Because they got the prayer and whatnot, but in India, he, he realized, he conjectured, they got some method to this, and they, they actually get somewhere. <laughs> As a result, they get uh, you know profound experience and so forth. So he, he studied with the Buddhists and Hindus, and tried to. And Catholics have incorporated some of them, some of them, in the open, more broader sector, um, some type of uh, yogic discipline and sensibility and me- for meditating and so forth. You can see it's very, uh, when I'm saying very generic, hmm? meditation, yoga, and if, if there is a sitting posture that's conducive to it, okay, and, and a breathing and so forth. So it's, it's, it doesn't belong in one sense to anybody. And of course, if it's about realizing the soul, in another sense, it doesn't really belong to anybody, right? It transcends all cultural um, uh, differences and so on and so forth. So just an interesting um, it's very neurotic idea that, in fact, there are some very there there are some very militant Hindus, militant young Hindus, who crash uh, uh, yoga uh, teaching sessions and uh, lectures at universities, given and Kirtan also given by white people. You know, like, you are defiling our tradition, it's our tradition, you know, it's just, uh, that very idea is so much the antithesis of what uh, yoga is about, ours and yours, uh, us and them, and so forth, it's, it's meant for transcending it. And of course there are ways in which yoga, we would even like, feel a little bit put off by, you know, yoga for this, or yoga for that, Um uh, you know, but I mean, if you stay within the parameter parameters of a ego-effacing ideal, then it seems um, all is well hmm, with the uh, with the application of yoga. Hmm. So, yoga is a method, right? In the Gita, of course, the main yoga is when Krishna starts to talk about yoga. First, he talks about Sangi talks about the Purusha and Prakriti. In the second chapter of the Gita, he says that the soul is the self, the Atma is, uh, is sat, it exists and it, and it, in an enduring sense, it's real. And the appearances of the world are just such, their appearances and so on, as easily distinguishes the self from matter. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like a, the essence of the Sankhya discourse. Mm-hmm. There's the Purusha and then there's Prakriti. And then he goes to yoga, right, in the middle of the second chapter. And then let me tell you about yoga, which does the means now to separate out and experience the fact that the Purusha, this means the the Atma, is different from Prakriti, from material nature. And when he begins, what does he say? What is the first thing he says when he begins to speak about yoga? Who knows? What is the first verse? 
chapter 2, Yoga. He says, Neha bhikramanashosti pratyabhayanabhidyate svalpamapyasya dharmasya trayate mato bayat. So this is very clearly about bhakti yoga. Hmm? Because he says, svalpamapyasya dharmasya trayate mato bayat. The nature of this yoga that I'm going to tell you about is such that whatever is gained on it, by it, is eternal. Hmm? It can't be lost. This, to be saying this about a type of yoga means that you have to be speaking about a yoga that is near guna in nature because all the effects of the gunas, modes of nature, are temporary. Karma yoga is under the influence of Raji, Rajaguna. Hmm? Sattva, uh, or Gyan, I should say, is under the influence of Sattva. Hmm? So, he's talking about about Bhakti. This is at the beginning. Then, of course, he, he digresses, if you will, and speaks about different types of yoga, and then he comes to the culmination of the discourse on yoga in the sixth chapter, where we were. Again, he's speaking about, ultimately, right, he culminates with that that section, sixth chapter, with an advocacy of glorification of bhakti, even distinguishing it from all other yogas as the best. He says, if you're going to be better to be what an aesthetic than to be a something, what better to be a yogi than aesthetic, better to, amongst the yogis, best to be a devotee, a bhakta, something like that. So, at any rate, he gives a very um, um, touching a feeling um assurance to Arjun when he says uh Tata Gachati Tata means like my dear son, oh don't think like that. Don't think that if you make effort in this path that you won't be successful. Let me tell you how successful you will be in this path. That if you really try with all of your might to follow the Varnashram Dharma and for a hundred lifetimes you do it perfectly you could attain the, the realm of, of Brahma. Of course, you come down from there. Hmm? But if you if you leave that path, as I'm encouraging you to do, and, and, and take up yoga, hmm? even if you're unsuccessful in the yoga, you can go to that place. You can go to heaven, even by unsuccessful, incomplete practice of yoga. So by all means take up spiritual life. What does Narada say? And this is more directly about bhakti. Chaktva svadharmam charanam bhujam hareya bhajanapakbo They're old, we don't remember them all. Uh, but a few lines. He says, he says, try it. Go for it. And if you fall along the way because of immaturity, should the, and it should, you should not hesitate because of a fear of that. Rather, However far down the road you go, if you should slip, then when you get up, you will start from there anyway. So you're just, it's a go for it. Hmm? So, um, from our side, hmm? um, like attracts like, so we're truthful, sincere. He says, sincerity. As I said, Pujapard's, Pujapard's rendering of it is, is invincible. So you can't you, you can't go wrong. Hmm? If you if you try and you find out, for example, you have a guide who's insufficient or, um, in other ways, deficient, you've you've learned something. It seems like to me that you've you've gained something. 
Hmm? People can look at that as a loss, and I sympathize with persons who have encountered that and so forth, but really you've gained something, you've learned. Huh? When it's all over, hmm? there's a song I quoted the other day, what is it? Uh, Do the steps that you've been shown by everyone you've ever known. And in the end, you'll do the dance alone. Something like that. Jack- Jackson Brown is a famous guy from my time. So, so in the end, then you you should be at such a, in such a position that everyone who's ever shown you anything, whether it be how to be or how not to be, you will be paying your obeisances to every one of them. Hmm? And collecting, having collected all, if you, if this is the disposition of a sadhaka for success, hmm? open to learning. Hmm? Like we saw Chaitanya Dev, sannyasi, 24 years old, young, but conquering all of Jagannath Puri and his own associates. No, he's Bhagawan. Who do you think you are, Sarvabhoma Bhattacharya, to think that you will instruct him? And Mahaprabhu says, no, no, he, he, why can't you think I can't learn? What is the nature of the subject? Hmm? That it has no, has no limit. Hmm? Whatever he may say something, I may see it in a slightly different light, it's possible. Hmm? It's interesting because Prabhupada very much had us in, as his students in this disposition. We, of course, entirely focused on him because we didn't know of any other representation of, of Gaudiya Vaishnavism. And he was like, at the time, like the moon, uh, shining, Nitai Chand was, sh- you know, shining in his heart, and uh, and it obscured any other light practically. And of course, he was in a continent where there was no other representation as well. But he had us in a very flexible um, position. There was a time, speaking about the chain, if you will, when I had sixty brahmacharis. Oh, if I had sixty brahmacharis, now we could do something. <laughs> I lost my power. <laughs> Sixty brahmacharis, hmm? and they would do whatever I said, and I wasn't proud. But whatever I said, Rupanuga, we brought someone brought up the other day, and I mentioned this point. He said, he said to me, "Call me." He said, "You got to be really careful." Tripurari Das brahmachari I was a brahmachari myself, uh, and he said, uh, "Whatever you do, whatever you say, whatever you eat, however you sleep." However you walk, there's hundreds of brahmacharis taking notes on that, you know, because <laughs> I would so a little successful in the, in in the book distribution, and you know, really wanted to please profit by that. So, at any rate, I mean, I had at one point sixty brahmacharis, and they would do whatever I said without thinking about it. Hmm? So it's just it's not my credit; it's what Prabhupada created that he created this faithful environment, very faithful environment. It was, was conducive to, to progress and uh, nourishing and so forth. He didn't, uh, and, and there were sometimes, you know, in the context of this faithful um, environment, there were problems. There was some guy that took some money from the Sankirtan that you just collected all day long and, and beat your head against, you know, the elements and the minds of other peoples to collect selling books and put it in his hand and. He flew off to Hawaii. It, it, it happened. Things like that happened, but it never phased really the the the, the balance of devotees. I mean, there were some very major uh, breaks in the link. I mean, well, some of you were 
Were you in New York when Bali Mardan was, was there? <laughs> You're yes. there too. That was a major uh, affair. And this guy was in charge, and they would do anything Bali said. Whatever Bali said was just like, you know, okay, Prabhupada spoke to us. You know, that. In other words, Prabhupada created this faithful environment, and we were r- very supportive of any leader, giving them, you know, the benefit of the doubt, and, and so on and so forth. And and um, it, it, you'd think, uh-oh, you're setting yourself up, you know, for a problem. You don't want that attitude. You want the opposite of that attitude. And you'll be protected by that very attitude itself. You understand? And you can't be cheated except by yourself. No one can cheat you. Hmm? So, of course, Bali did a weird thing. You know, he, 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 he was a sannyasi, and he gave it up, and he married the queen or the heiress to the Toyota um, so fa- right, family. That was, a, that was what he thought. But she turned out just to be, I don't think she was Chinese. I don't think she was even Japanese. I'm not sure. <laughs> she was a fraud. She, he married her thinking he was marrying into the, the Toyota family. And she married him thinking, I'm, mar- I'm, I'm, I'm marrying into the Hare Krishna family. They look pretty rich. They got these temples everywhere, you know. Anyway, so they cheated one another, because <laughs> neither one had, had much to offer, really, in terms of any material wealth. But it was it, it resulted in a, in a, ultimately a terrorizing of uh, the the New York Temple. What was her name? Titere. Yeah. And it wasn't until you know chicken bones came down the stairs, you know, from from what she had eaten, that people started thinking. What's going on here? <laughs> you know. Anyway, it was worse. It was uh, there were probably other signs that, uh, but uh, but hmm, um, nobody nobody left because of it. It was just like, oh well, this guy got exposed. He's gone now, and we go on. I mean, can you imagine that that now that the the, envi- the environment now in the Gaudiya International Community is not this faith. Environment. Faith is, as I often say, is our deity, but many people are making it the doormat on which they wipe their feet, hmm? not honoring the faith of others. And if you know this guru is not very advanced, I know more than her, and therefore I should go and tell her disciples they should leave there. You're missing the whole point that that disciple, at that point in his life, is getting nourishment there on the level that works for them. And if at a certain point they need more and that teacher can't provide it, there's a transcendental system. You know, you can you can get siksha elsewhere and so on and so forth. So we really need to create a, this faithful environment. Prabhupada was, had, was very um, expert at that, right? Um, and so it was very encouraging. So, uh, so I, like I said, I had these guys would have turned left, right, stood on their head, whatever, you know, whatever I said. Uh, luckily, I wasn't too bad of a guy, so it uh, worked out pretty, pretty well. <laughs> uh, I was, as a leader, of course, I was also going out and doing all the book distribution. So I never asked anybody to do anything that I wouldn't do, and that does help. That type of uh, example in, in leadership. So, but not to. Again, I, it's really the environment that, that Prabhupada created. And that's why I say, I think, the, in answer to your question, the emphasis should be on, you you do that, and don't worry about that, if there is some problem there. And if you find out that there is, 
then it can be addressed. You can talk to other senior devotees and get a perspective on it, whether you know there's a problem, this devotee has deviated, he's in the, so to speak, chain of command in my ashram or something like that. And there may be different factors and different ways to look at that. Bhakti is, is generous and, uh, and at the same sometimes also strict. So does that help? Uh, the idea that I think, in other words, the cautious, I better watch out spirit is not going to help you. Hmm. That's, I, mean, I can understand why you may have it, <laughs> given things that have happened. But the things that have happened, I mean, you know, people say, these Western gurus. I don't know, but I mean, India per capita's got more per capita's got more bogus gurus than anywhere in the world. You know, it's been going on for centuries. And the very problem that you're talking about, in one sense, is is mentioned in the Gita, hmm? right? That evam parampara praptam imam rajasya vilsakalena mahata yoga nashta yoga nashta parantapa. He says, yoga may be slashed, O great strong warrior. Arjuna, don't let it, uh, there's a solution to that. I'm the solution, he says. I come again. Hmm? So, if there's some problem, we, 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 we learn from that, and, and, and if our heart's in the right place, then we can connect with a more uh, substantial uh, representation or dispensation of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's mission. So, you put your heart in the right place. Again, I went back to what go back to what Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur said. We could publish a magazine every minute from Goloka Vrindavan, but the the problem is there's not enough interest. If you have interest, hmm, then you're not you're not then 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 uh, Sugadev what is his name Prichit Marsh had interest, very pressing interest, and Sugadev just appeared on the scene, right? So like attracts like. So you put your heart in the right place to be sincere. Pray to that to, to make progress, do the right thing. You can you will never go wrong. Hmm? And if in the course of that, as I say, there's some problem, you learn something. Hmm? That's the way you have to. Under, if you know the philosophy well enough, then nothing that happens will throw you off off balance. Hmm? It'll all be cause for, for for going forward. Does that help? Yeah. You really want. That attitude. We want to create that attitude: faithfulness, respect for other Vaishnavas, and uh, and for senior devotees. And if we have respect for senior devotees, and in some on some level, that senior devotee in the mission, for example, or in, in the ashram, is is not up to par. Your respect for him or her may and should embarrass them. To my goodness, you know, this guy's showing me regard and. And I'm not, not conducting myself in such a way that I really warrant it. I should change. Hmm? So we, we, it's a system. We can help. We're botayantas parasparam tushanticharamanticha. Mutually enlightening uh, one other, one another. The real teacher, the real advanced devotee, will definitely learn from less advanced devotees. Hmm? And and feel, as Bhaktisiddhanta Sarasthi did in, in, in an extreme way, that the, he thought Bhakti Vinod has sent these people here to, to appearing as my students, but they're actually teaching me, keeping me engaged, asking me questions, and so forth. I wouldn't have had opportunity to think about and answer and be um, absorbed and so forth. So it's it's better to have this um, kind of uh, sort of like looking over your shoulder kind of attitude, kind of an innocence and sincerity and 
You can't lose in this way. Hmm. Okay. Does that answer your question? Yes. Mara. I have it sort of another question that you kind of were talking about it in your talk, but uh, I was reading that verse again about the unsuccessful yogi, and we talked about it on one of the calls, but I, I was reading it about it again in Vishnu's book, and he was saying how the unsuccessful yogi, you know, because he goes into Brahman realization eventually, that's what he wants, but it said that he attains the stage of Bhava, and even though he's tasted the you know, that the, he feels something and he sees the form of the Lord and it's very, very difficult for him to get out of that. Like, to, he, it takes like four or five, six times, he says, to withdraw himself from that and go back to what he wants, his mission. You're talking about the Bhagavatam. The Bhagavatam. That's a heavy. But it came again, and then he, and then he, for, he talks further on later on how... You know, anyone who reaches the stage of Bob or sees the form of the Lord, there's no way he's ever going to want anything different. So that's why I was a little confused how he can actually attain the stage of Bob, and then why would he even want anything else? Well, really what he's talking about there is is the idea of, within yoga, uh, of fixing your mind on an object, one object, and what do they call that, uh, savikalpa, from going from Savikalpa Samadhi to Nirvikalpa Samadhi. So your mind is fixed on many different objects. The idea is to focus on one object alone and and none other. And then in the, when it's very, very focused and you enter into a Savikalpa, trans-Savikalpa would mean there's some differentiation. There's the form and there's me that I'm meditating on. Hmm? And then then... Then at the then the final step, if you will, stage is to detach the mind from that object as well, and you enter into nirvikalpa samadhi. Now that, that's not what what we're doing, but that's kind of some kind of a type of yogi that he's talking about there. As far as Bob goes, um, if he, if, in other words, if if the object the yogi chooses to focus his attention on is the Ishwar which is recommended, for example, in Yoga Sutras, Ishvar Pranidhan, hmm? then the, 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 he is focusing on a very, you know, not on a, on a nirguna reality. But if he may be conceiving of it as a saguna reality, so a manifestation of Brahman in sattva guna, hmm? which actually, um, in other places, Vishwanath Shakti Thakur says, would constitute an offense. So, uh, how we would attain bhava is a little difficult uh, to. Uh, uh, I'd have to look at the the, yeah. the the text, but in the text he doesn't say he attains bhava. Uh-huh. He says he tastes rasa, mm-hmm. from the, and he says it's something that happens. We taste even if it's a little bit from the very beginning, and he at the at the end of that tika, he kind of piggybacks on to uh, uh, his tika in the verse from the 11th canto that he cites at the very end of that that shows that this happens beginning from the very first day. We can Yeah, no, I've studied, I I've studied Arch- those very I showed a church and then she's like, What begins from the very first day? Tasting of rasa. Okay, well, Even so... In an undeveloped way, he said. Yeah, so he's still... He's stuck. careful about it, but it's still... Yeah, so he's not attaining Bob. He's, he's not... He's, he's, he says, no, he says, 
We're not talking about someone necessarily about someone who's attained Bhava. Yeah, it's like for Bhag, for example, you know, the words may be used differently in different places. In Bhagavatam, at the end of the of the Rasa Lila, Sukadev says what he says, um what's the verse? Idam Chavishnu Shadhan Bitanu Shunayad Atavarnayadya Bhaktim Parampati Labdi Pakamam he says, if you meditate, King, Emperor, Parikshit, Maharaj, on the activities of Vishnu, who is, he's saying, this is talking about Krishna, but he's calling him Vishnu, of God, when he's interacting with the wives of the husbands of Braj, the nature of that affair is so pure that Bhakti, parabhakti, will go into your heart and it will dispel the lust. Bhakti parampati labdhikamam hridrogam ashpahinotiyachirinidhi. Very quickly, the, the disease of lust will come out. So the implication is that first bhakti comes in, even though there is lust, drives the lust out, right? Whereas in, in, Gyan, you have to first purify the heart of lust before the knowledge will, will, will manifest. So you have Nishkam Karma Yoga to come to, to Gyan Yoga and the ingress of wisdom. But Bhakti is more powerful. Gyan is limited, it's not independent. She can only go where to a pure place. You can't have Gyan and ignorance at the same time, but you could have Bhakti and influence. And bhakti comes in and does cleansing and then does decorating. Now, what's what's being said there is that bhakti param patilabdhakamam. Bhakti param, so para bhakti comes into the heart. And sometimes it's it's then explained that prem comes in first and then the lust goes away. But it doesn't he's not talking about prem in terms of the perfection of bhakti comes into your heart and the lust is still there. It, it, bhakti comes in of a parabhakti nature that can that is that is the ultimate goal of which uh, ideal of which is, is prem. Prem is used in a more broad term sense when they use it there. Um, otherwise, uh, you know, it obviously it contradicts other so many other statements. Hmm? So bhakti comes in, cleanses the heart. We know there's a there's a we're not this verse isn't taken to be throw out all these other lessons we've heard for you know. In so many verses and so many commentaries, but bhakti does come in, yes, yes. So rasa does come in. You know, we say shuddha rupa, shuddha says suda sattva visheshatma prema suryam susamyabhak bhava bhakti, which comes after sadhana bhakti, right? Where the emotive aspect of bhakti is manifest. Now in bhava bhakti, we do hearing and chanting based on inner spiritual emotions rather than just because we're supposed to do it or. We think it's good for losing weight, or who knows what people, you know, dance around for sometimes. But probably just, you know, hopefully based on some theory that's correct, I'm doing it for this. And I get a little taste as well. But when we enter into Bhava Bhakti, Rupa Goswami describes it as this ingress of Ladini and Samvit, elements of the Surup Shakti, entering into the, into the heart of the Jiva. But it's not that there's no Surup Shakti entering into the, the life of the jiva before bhakti because before before bhava because bhakti itself is 
constituted of sarup shakti. So from the very beginning, yes, you're tasting rasa. Hmm? In a, in, a, in a very kind of, uh, how would you say, um, you know, a drop or something yeah, like that. Yeah, so, yes. Well, Chris, one other thing I read today, maybe you've seen this in the Bhakti Resonance, just that you that, and that was like surprising, and I wanted to bring it today, but I forgot my book, but um, it said that one who has attained Bob hmm. still has some serious anarchists. He might. He might. Yeah. Oh. It might uh, might appear as such, and so it's kind of a verse that's uh, like a pichet sudaracharo bhajate mamanonibak. Uh, there may be something in his character that's un- undesirable, or uh, but that should be overlooked in light of his other uh, um, extraordinary spiritual symptoms. Now, what exactly he's talking about um, is. Uh, another thing, I mean, uh, that he doesn't uh, uh, clarify, but um, um, you know, regardless, you got to have both. You can't just have one <laughs> and say, "Well, I've got above, and this, despite from that, I have these these um, these other um, undesirable characteristics." You can't just say that you have Bob because Bob has certain characteristics of its own. Hmm. So certain symptoms that are even visible symptoms. So it, it is that is a, a little bit of a. Uh, I think, like I say, a little bit of a ninth chapter Bhagavad Gita type of uh, a, a statement. A pichad sudarachuru bhajati mamanani bhakti. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, I should maybe look at that verse again. I remember, I remember it, and see if I get any further insight there. But, uh, but again, look for the symptoms of Bob. If you see that in someone, then if you see something else, like let's give an example. Okay, here is an example that comes to mind. Um, uh, Pundarik Vidinidhi. Okay, Garadha Pandit. Was this nice young man, but got out of pundit, hmm? like your your age, and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu same age, hmm? very nice devotee from his from childhood and learned and so forth. So Mukunda wanted to take him to see a great Vaishnava, and and it was Pundarik Vidyanidhi who was coming to town. So you know Vaishnava, a great Vaishnava, there's a certain image that comes to your mind what you're going to see. Instead of that, what he saw was this fellow being carried on a palanquin hmm, um, by others, fanning him, praising him, and he was smoking a hookah. What he was smoking, I don't know, but I mean, that's, it doesn't matter. <laughs> it's like, I don't think I'm going to learn from that guy because, you know, uh, I don't smoke or whatever. Uh, so, uh, fine, you know, so, but Mukunda knew that he was a great Vaishnava. And so he detected the mind of Gadadhar, which was was hesitating and, and finding fault in Pundarik Vidini. What's Mukunda doing bringing me here to see this guy? Hmm? And so Mukunda, who was a good singer, he sang a verse from Bhagavatam 
praising Uddhava, praising Krishna as the most merciful form of the Godhead because he gave uh, the, uh, the poisonous Putana Vatsalya Bhava. Meanwhile, Pundarik Vidyaniti is in Vatsalya Bhava. He's the, he's the father of Radharani in Gorlila. So we hear this verse and, you know, he, his hookah falls from his mouth, right? And, and he, he goes to the ground, he's weeping, he's in a trance and so forth. So Gadada realizes, oh my God, I made a big mistake, what to do? He asked Mahaprabhu, Mahaprabhu I think Mahaprabhu will take initiation from Pandarik Vedyaniti. So, so you can smoke if you can do that. You know? <laughs> and therefore, it's also said, Vaishnavera Kriyamudra Bhignena Bhuja. It's difficult to understand the activities of a Vaishnava. So look at Ramananda Roy, same thing. Mahaprabhu sent, what is it, with Nikula Brahmachari or Nishinga Brahmachari? Some Brahmachari to get instruction from Ramananda Roy about bhakti. He went to see Ramananda Roy and he said, well, I'm busy right now. He was massaging the legs of young girls who were dancers for Lord Jagannath. And he came back and said, you know, is that who you wanted me to see? And I, What's going on? And then Mahaprabhu chuckled, you know, within himself when he, he said, uh, you know, uh, only Ramananda Roy can do that. And he was thinking of them as gopis. He was in a go, gopi bhav himself, and assisting them. And so, so something like that was a, probably a good way to think of that verse. So if you see some strange quality, but you also see bhava, if you say, I'm in Baba, don't, that's how you should think of my symptoms. You should say, can you prove that? <laughs> can you show me the Baba too? <laughs> Something like that. Does that help? Yeah. So that verse, was that the same verse? Which verse? That, um, that you sang about Putana? Yeah. That the hunter, that Srila Vyasadeva had the, um, not the hunter, the wood... Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, so. It's, uh, you know, it's said in some places to be one of the verses that Vyas gave the woodcutter to chant in the forest in order to attract uh, uh, Sugadeva's attention. Hmm? Yeah. This is another one that. Uh, I think Buddhashita Marsharak was the beginning of the tenth canto was speaking about uh, the necessity of a, uh, 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 the capacity of the um, Bhagavad Kata to purify the heart, something like that, among other things. So there's different verses that are suggested, but yeah, that one of Uddhava is, is one of them. Oh, she smeared poison on her breast, offered it to the infant. How terrible she was, but how merciful he is. He gave her Vatsali Rasa in some outer region of of Golok, not in Braj itself. Hmm. So this is our God. He's like that. How generous we should be with one another. Hmm. Right? Hmm. All right, I think we... What's the time? 25 till 8.
I think we we stop there for tonight. We meet again tomorrow. Shri Shri Gorada Mahadeva Ki Jai, Gor Bhakta Vrinda Ki Jai, Gold Premanam. Mr. Vice President, Mr. Chukarai Swami, Guru Maharaj Ki Jai.